Hello, you are listening to Radio Maria England, and this is Father Toby with your word for today. And I want to begin with today's gospel, which is taken from Matthew chapter 20. Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, and on the way he took the twelve to one side and said to them, Now we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man is about to be handed over to the chief priests and scribes. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the pagans to be mocked and scourged and crucified, and on the third day he will rise again. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came with her sons to make a request of him and bowed low, and he said to her, What is it you want? She said to him, Promise that these two sons of mine may sit one at your right hand and the other at your left in your kingdom. You do not know what you are asking, Jesus answered. Can you drink the cup that I am going to drink? They replied, we can. Very well, he said, you shall drink my cup. But as for seats at my right hand and my left, these are not mine to grant. They belong to those to whom they have been allotted by my father. When the other ten heard this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Jesus called to them and said, You know that among the pagans the rulers lord it over them, and their great men make their authority felt. This is not to happen among you. No, anyone who wants to be great among you must be your servant, and anyone who wants to be first among you must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. If your own mum hasn't done it, we've certainly seen somebody else's mum do it. Pushing their child, wanting them to have recognition. In my particular experience, always trying to make me go up on stage when they ask for volunteers at a panto. Not something I was always especially grateful for. Sorry mum. But it's not a bad thing. Our parents should want the best for us. When we love someone, we can live vicariously through them. You only have to compare the passion on the side of the pitch um, at sports matches of the under 10s. As I was writing this, my mind goes back to one particular dad when I was at prep school, who even as we were kids realized that his passion was going a little too far. There was some need in his life a little bit unaddressed that he was hoping poor Adam would make up for on the pitch. We felt a bit embarrassed and sorry for Adam. And perhaps feeling embarrassed for James and John would have been a more helpful reaction than indignancy and anger from the other apostles when they heard the mother of James and John asking for a special place for them. In fact, I think being able to feel with, to have sorrow for, is always a more helpful reaction than to be angry at. But the basic point stands that the parent who isn't a little bit pushy at times is probably not the best parent, particularly when it comes to the teenage years and possibly even more so during those university years where in supposed preparation for the real world you pay about £9,000 a year to have 10 hours of structured time a week and massive holidays. I sound a little bit jealous of students there, I am. But the parent who exhorts and encourages their child but who is only concerned with the grades that they get at the end of the degree, 
not with what they've learned through their degree, not with not concerned with the sort of person that the child is becoming, who's only concerned with the result on the sports pitch, not what the child learns by playing sports. They've got things a little bit the wrong way round. And that's possibly one of the things that we're supposed to learn from this gospel. One interpretation for me is that Jesus is saying to the mother and the sons, rather than asking to sit at my right hand, you ought to be asking for the strength, for the grace, for the perseverance to do all that it takes to stay at my right hand, even when it begins to hurt, even when others make you suffer for it. But it's still better, I think, that the mum asks something good for her children than nothing at all, even if not for the perfect reason. God can work with that. He does. And the biggest reprimand in this passage seems to be reserved for the rest of the apostles and for their jealous reaction. We don't have to become perfect before God will help us. Very often God can and does work through my imperfect motivations. If we take coming to confession when we're in serious sin seriously, sometimes the embarrassment at returning quite so soon might act as a stronger motivator than the goodness of avoiding the sin. Or maybe the student starts to turn up on class to a time, starts to turn up to class on time so that he can get a seat next to that girl that he likes. Maybe even though you know Lenten devotions are supposed to be about growing to love God more, your fasting is currently more motivated by the need to shed a few pounds so that you don't have to buy a new wardrobe. As I said, God can work with that. But of course, we don't want to stay doing good things for bad reasons or for less than perfect reasons. But sometimes the experience of actually doing the good is what it takes for us to recognize it is it as good and to purify our motivations. There's another problem though that I come across and it's the person who gets paralyzed about what the good is. The person who's genuinely seeking to do God's will but becomes so worried about what God actually wants them to do in the particular circumstances of their life that they find they just can't move forward with anything. It can happen that people get into a mindset where they think that God has absolutely every single action of their life planned out. And if they make a misstep, then they're doomed to misery. But God is not like that. God is not static. He is pure being. He is dynamic and he works with our good desires. Something beautifully captured in a prayer of St. Thomas Merton, which has been a great help to me at several points in my life. My Lord God, I have no idea where I am going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end. Nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think I am following your will does not mean that I am actually doing so. But I believe that the desire to please you does in fact please you. And I hope I have that desire in all that I am doing. I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though I may know nothing about it. Therefore will I trust you 
always, though I may seem to be lost and in the shadow of death. I will not fear, for you are ever with me, and you will never leave me to face my perils alone. You've been listening to a podcast from Radio Maria. If you enjoy these programs, please consider becoming one of our monthly donors. All you need to do is visit www.radiomariaengland.uk and click on the Support Us tab for various options. We rely entirely on donations, so thank you to all our listeners for their generous support.